This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 107. How about tonight? Of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. All right. So today we have quite the interview with Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley as to, I guess, on what to do if you have a sexless marriage. Mm -hmm. So we are going to be talking about all things intimacy. So if you have little ears in the room or are around people that you don't necessarily want to be overhearing what we are discussing, put a pause on this right now and put your earbuds in. We're going to be unpacking the topic of having a sexless marriage. We've heard this time over and over again. It really is a topic that can can feel like you're bringing up a lot of shame, a lot of anger, a lot of hurt. And we just want to offer up this interview and offer up this episode as another tool to say that you are loved and you are valuable and that there is hope for your marriage, even in the marital bed. All right. So you are going to enjoy hearing from Dr. Greg and Aaron. Greg serves as the Vice President of Marriage and Family Formation at Focus on the Family. His wife, Erin, is a marriage counselor. They have written so many books together. It's actually kind of crazy and super encouraging to see how they can write together, both individually but also together. And man, they're just so, 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 so much fun and full of wisdom. So you're going to love this episode. Their newest book is called Reconnected, Moving from Roommates to Soulmates in Your Marriage. And they have a whole chapter, actually, that unpacks what happens if you have a sexless marriage. So to find their book and other resources that we talk about on this episode, go to inbetween.org slash episode 107. All right, let's listen in. Well, Greg and Aaron, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We have a lot to talk about. Yes, a lot. <laughs> yes, and I know our podcast family, um, just through different messages and ways that we've heard from you, that this is something that is near and dear to your heart because you have questions. And we know that sometimes you don't feel like you have a safe place to land in terms of asking questions and maybe Googling sex is not the best way yeah, yeah. that you're going to find the information that you're looking for. So uh, Greg and Aaron, thank you so much just for informing us and being willing to talk about sometimes a taboo subject, unfortunately, but just leaning in and um, offering us your your expertise in this area. So thank mm. you. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking about sex. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, we hear a lot um, that we're supposed to serve our spouse in sex. And unfortunately, sometimes that is even used um, against a spouse. Like, you better do this for me because, you know, you're supposed to serve me. But saying that we're supposed to serve our spouse in sex is really only half the story. And we love that in your book, Reconnected, you talk about God's design for sex and how sex is not just about serving your spouse. So what's the other half of the story here then? Yeah, I think that especially women sort of get this, this message 
um, culturally within our churches. I mean, you hear, you hear stuff like you need to reserve some energy for your husband, you know, so that you're not so tired. So when he wants you sexually, you're available or, you know, you need to initiate periodically, um, respond more often. And, and I think, unfortunately, what the message then sends is that really sex is about your husband. It's about meeting his needs. So therefore, you just need to be ready and available. And that's so sad. Yeah. I mean, just look at how God built us as people. Look at our bodies. I mean, we, we just physiologically, God designed our bodies in certain parts of our bodies exclusively for sex. And, and that's true for men and for women. And so God, who gave us the equipment that's unique in design for sex, because he wants us to enjoy this, but it's not just about um, a husband enjoying sex. This really has to be, uh, the goal has to be mutual. Yeah. And really looking at that, it's a gift that God has given us in marriage. And it's really about mutual enjoyment, that it can't be about just one person that it's about both. And it's recognizing that my enjoyment is of sex is as important as Greg's enjoyment of sex. It's not just about Greg, because so often, like Greg was saying, our culture seems to emphasize that, oh, sex is you know so much about the men. However, through our culture, we're also beginning to learn that sometimes it's even the, the woman who has the higher sex drive. So it's just recognizing that this is a gift it looks different in each marriage, and it is for mutual enjoyment. Yeah, and I'll, it actually, I, I don't, Aaron, even know if you know the story. Maybe you've heard this, but seriously, my father, uh, right before um, Aaron and I got married, at some point, kind of, kind of, we, he's like, "Hey, let's go out to dinner. Wanna, let's just talk." And and so he he goes, "Hey, let me give you my best sex advice." <laughs> Uh, that's oh, okay. You know, it's always going to go think, well. Yeah, exactly. that way. Can we just please eat our steak? That's all I want to do. <laughs> I'll be fine. I don't want to think about my mother in that way. Um, but honestly, what he, his his big sort of tip when 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 you and Aaron um, are having sex, you make that about her. Like your job is to serve her. And, and again, it's, it's, it's what we're talking about that, that if, if, if somehow I think this is only about Aaron, that my only job is to serve her, it, it just, it, it takes away from what God really meant this experience to be. Mm. And, and that's why we, we just, we encourage couples all the time. This just make this about both of you. I need, I want to serve her and, and I want to serve me. Mm. And, and Aaron needs to be thinking about me and her. And I think if both are doing that, that that's the ideal way to approach sex. Yeah. You know, our podcast family, I mean, they're listening from a lot of different uh, scenarios and, and perspectives and, and even others who are tuning in for the first time. They saw the title of this episode and they're like, oh, I need to listen to that. Uh, but as you guys are so, so well-versed and experienced in counseling and in writing and in speaking and, and, and uh, about this, I'd love for you to maybe, maybe paint a picture for our podcast family to know that they're not alone in this. Because a lot of times what we read 
what we hear about, what we, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like you don't hear about sexless marriages. You don't hear about sexual inactivity in marriage. In fact, among guys, that's kind of like a, that's like a, that's like a masculine testosterone kind of prove yourself sort of thing. And, and no one's ever going to say, oh yeah, no, well, well, we haven't had sex for a year. I mean, that's not something you hear about. So, um, we'd, we'd love before we continue on with some other questions for you just to give us a, paint us a picture of how common or, uh, not common this might be? That is something that we continually hear about. We'll be doing a seminar somewhere and lo and behold, one single woman will walk up, not a single woman, but a woman will walk up and she'll say, you know what? She'll kind of whisper and say, you know, we haven't had sex in in 10 months. We haven't had sex in two years. And we, we began to really dig into that and research it because it seemed like it was a common thing, a common theme that we were hearing. And then when we dug into the research, it's right around 25% of couples are considered sexless. And so it definitely, to the listener, you are not alone. And, and if you are struggling through this, there's many different reasons for it. And there's many different struggles within um, a married couple's sex life. It may look different for each one, but you are not alone if you're struggling. And I'm telling you time and time again, as I meet with couples on a, a daily basis, that often it, it, it will come down to, they'll, they'll begin opening up and sharing about the disappointments, the, the struggles, the hurts. And it, it sounds differently, but it's, it's a consistent theme. And I think too, that, that our, our sworn enemy, the, the evil one just so wants, um, this missing inside of a marriage. He, he wants us to be uh, sexless because of the connection, because of the, the depth of knowing our spouse. I mean, when you think about when we're engaged in sex, I mean, that we, we're, it's like all is right in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're connected, we're close, we're, we're intimate in, and, and he's got a lot of many reasons why that, that he wants us to exist sort of in this sexless marriage. You know, I think our culture contributes. Um, if you remember the popular show Seinfeld, mm-hmm. there was a classic episode to where um, they were using the word yada, um, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Remember that one to describe <laughs> sort of this, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 it's not worthy of, of details. It's boring. It's ho-hum. So yada, 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 whatever. Well, that God created that word. That's his word. Yada is the Hebrew word for sex. It means to deeply know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so you just think about that. Here, our culture took that very word of all words, the one that God reserved for sex, they take it and, and turn it into something that's not even worthy of sharing details about. So I just think that there's there there, there are many reasons why um, that that couples can exist in a sexless marriage, but just understand there there's like there's there's inward issues going on between the couple. Then there's there's all these mm-hmm. cultural messages. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Satan who doesn't want you having sex either. So let's go back to you were saying, Aaron, in terms of a woman comes up to y'all and confesses or admits that they're in a sexless marriage. What is the next step? Obviously, being there emotionally present and and grieving um, with her or with um, the husband. If our podcast audience is listening in, they're like, yeah, that's me. What's the next step? Like, what, what do we do from here? 
Well, it's, you know, it's important that they uh, get some help. So I would say seek the help of a, a licensed Christian counselor um, but then really dig into what, what, what's the cause? What's, what's going on? Because there's many different causes for a sexless marriage. You know, it could be health problems, low thyroid, low testosterone. It could be medication side effects, technology, pornography, fear of pregnancy, hormone changes. Sex just isn't enjoyable. Maybe there's past abuse, um, stress. So it's just looking at, because often what will happen is the couple won't talk about it. And then there's a lot of assumptions made about what's really going on. And, and oftentimes it's, it's not the, what is going on. So it's digging in. And if your spouse isn't willing to talk about it or isn't willing to go in and get help, you go and, and talk about that, explore that. I would say it's, it's important at some point for that couple to have that conversation and to talk about it. I love I just even thinking about couples that I've worked with that I just smile when I hear them digging into these conversations on their own, because it's something that we work towards. We build safety and put that in place in order to have those conversations. Because you think about it culturally, like you guys, you started with, we don't talk about it. I think back to when I, we have a 12 year old daughter, we have four kids total. So I have, we have two older daughters and then a son. And then our daughter, Annie is 12. And when I had the the sex talk with her, um, it was funny because more than ever, what I noticed is people would say, oh, this is what my parents said to me. They said, you know what, here's a book mm-hmm. or um, talk to your older sister or, you know, you know, just don't do it until you get married or, and so we're, what's the word? Conditioned. Uh, we're conditioned to not talk about it mm-hmm. from our family of origin. And we carry that right into our marriage. And this is something that's worth talking about. It's worth digging into. It's worth really going, okay, what's going on here? And can we connect about this and connect in a way that feels good to both of us? Yeah. And I think too, that, that part of what goes on is that because as Aaron is saying that the couple's not talking about this, Mm -hmm. they, they, they feel alone. So they're not connecting. So you're talking about, there's a, there's a loneliness there, but then they're always going to, first of all, usually jump to the conclusion that it's the other person. So, so if Erin and I aren't having sex, she's going to first think there's something going on with me. And so, may what, what? Yeah, what is this about? Has he met someone? Is he into porn? Is he secretly gay? I mean, that it's it's amazing how how we we're we're looking for the reasons to justify or to explain why this isn't happening. But then, most of the time, what happens is they start to believe there's there's something going on with them. It's about them. You're yeah, not attracted not to me. I'm not good enough. I'm yeah. not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. And, and, and so not only are you feeling lonely, but now you're struggling with these messages that it's revealing something about me. And, and it just takes people to such a, a bad place. I, I'm, I'm totally disconnected from you. So as a couple, we're totally lonely. And that's not why I got married, you know, but we, we know that so many people feel lonely inside their marriage. And now I'm battling because Satan's jumping all over these messages. Yeah. I mean, he's whispering in our ear. Yeah. You're not good enough. You're not attractive. She, he's not interested in you. He's interested in someone else. And it, it's, it's, it's an absolute wrecking ball inside of our marriage. Mm-hmm. Wow. So what advice would you give someone who right now 
you just explained everything that is going on in their heart and their mind. And they're like, yeah. uh, now what? <laughs> yeah. What would you say to them? Yeah. I, it has to start as Aaron was saying with, um, you have to be willing to be wrong. So there has to be a, a moment of going, I think it's because he's interested in someone else or he's interested, he's, he's into porn or he's just not into me, but Maybe I'm wrong because if if you're willing to be wrong, then it forces you to ask the question. When Aaron and I, a season in our marriage, I was in graduate school. um, I just had a baby. Yeah, you, you, we just had a baby. Well, we, you just had a baby. (laughs) Everyone was like, I'm sorry, what did he say? (laughs) His contribution was, yeah, one thing (laughs) about all the time. but so I was in graduate school. I was preparing for for sort of the end, big comprehensive exams. It was a week of everything that I'm supposed to have learned, and and I was super stressed, and I was really feeling failed because I was just I was so worried that I wasn't going to pass, and then and and not get my doctorate. And and of course, I'm not even aware of that. So certainly, I'm not sharing that with Aaron. Yeah. But how that was manifesting is that. I was very uninterested then in sex. Mm. And, and I remember one night, Aaron, you know, just kind of, you know, I mean, she initiated and, and I, I kind of rebuffed that and said, you know what? I'm really tired um, tomorrow. Um, and, and she was like, what? Like, what's, what's going on? And yeah. I'm like, nothing's going on. What, what do you mean? What's going on? What, what, what are you saying? Like, are you accusing me? I mean, it's just so quickly, right? Yeah. And then these conversations are tender. They're conversations that can go south real quick. And it's because I know I was feeling not good enough, rejected, alone. And, you know, I reached for my husband and that takes courage. Mm -hmm. And so amidst that conversation, just learning, because it did lead eventually to a good conversation. Yeah. Once things simmer, simmer down. And, you know, I learned that my husband was just so stressed out over, you know, this, his exams that were coming up and, um, because I did have a lot of assumptions. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's so, I love what Greg's saying. It's so good to, to hold that lightly and give the benefit of the doubt and go to your spouse and ask, help me understand what's, what's going on. Um, and let it be known that I would love to talk about this because I care about our marriage. Mm-hmm. I care about you and I want to be connected to you. And that's a, you guys, that's a, it's a, it's a difficult discussion because you're, you're talking about the most vulnerable parts of who you are. When you put yourself out, like Aaron said, she courageously initiated and, and, and that's risky. You don't know what your spouse is going to do. Will I be accepted? Will uh-huh. I be rejected? In in and oftentimes, you know, especially in our culture today, there there are things that are going on that that aren't about you, but but has such a big impact. Porn mm-hmm. is is such a big problem. In in the problem with porn is that it, it requires no relationship work. Right. So when, when when that person when that spouse is involved in porn, they, they get their their sexual gratification needs met with zero work, 
And the more that that happens and the more of an addiction that becomes, the more of a pattern that, 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 that happens, it, 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 it completely decreases the likelihood that sex between this couple is going to happen because it requires work. If, if, I'm, if I'm looking at porn and can get sexually gratified without doing any work, then, then why would I want to then go do the work? Why would I want to woo my wife? And, and, and that's what's so sad and heartbreaking for, for people who are, are, are continuing to, to view porn is that look, look what it's doing to, to the marriage. And then now your spouse is just filled with so many lies about who they are and what is going on. And so the, so to have that conversation though, to, to risk talking about, well, it's porn, it's stress, it's, you know, there's a performance related issue as I'm getting older, whatever, that, 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 that couple has to figure out how do we really make this conversation safe? The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. In emphasizing staying silent is doing no good to the marriage. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just want to encourage people, speak up, take that step. Um, and if it's helpful to have someone else there like a counselor, awesome. But staying silent is going to do no good because it's going to breed bitterness in your own heart. And, you know, again, assumptions and, you know, then bad feelings about you, bad feelings about your spouse. It's not healthy for the marriage. So staying silent um, isn't some people believe, well, I just hung in there and I stayed quiet and I just, you know, tolerated it. Well, no. Yeah. Care for your marriage and take that Fight courageous step. That courageous step. Wow, I love what y'all are saying. There's so many amazing information and advice in there. And podcast family, I'm sure you didn't miss it, but just in case somehow you skipped over the fact that grow your marriage, invest in your marriage by not staying silent, and as well as being able to ask those difficult questions being able to risk being wrong, and also that it takes courage. Sometimes that we just need to pause and name it. Yes, Mm. if you are considering having these conversations, you are taking a step of courage. So we just want to affirm that in you. So you had mentioned before, um, Aaron, in the top of the podcast, that sometimes there's even a mismatch in the desire for sex. And maybe our podcast family is listening and being like, yeah, actually, um, I know that the stereotype for women is to have a lower sex drive, but here I am, my, you know, I have a higher sex drive than my spouse. And we've had these conversations and we're starting to but there just doesn't seem to be any movement in that. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't want to feel like I'm pressuring my spouse, especially since, you know, it's, we are talking about it's not just serving your spouse. It's, you know, it's about having being pleasured as well. So how does that all fit into it? If you have someone coming to you being like, I don't know, I, I don't know what else to do. I don't want to pressure my spouse into having sex, though I want to be able to be served as well. 
Yeah. It's interesting because I wrote an article, oh gosh, maybe eight years ago for Focus and it was on sex. And um, I didn't realize what I had written came across that I was, I was endorsing the, you know, men have a higher sex drive and blah, blah, blah. I cannot tell you, I got several emails back saying I'm a female and I'm dying because my sex drive is higher. And I think there's something wrong with me. And it, the, I started digging into that. So I rewrote the article and wrote an additional article um, that 20% of women in our culture today have a higher sex drive than their, their husbands. Mm-hmm. And so it is not uncommon that there might be a mismatch sex drive, whether it's the, the husband or the wife. And so it's just looking at what do we do when that happens? Because it's painful. Again, because it stirs those deeper emotions, those triggers of rejection and not good enough failure. And so it's, it's important again, it it seems to keep going back to this, but it's important that this couple talk about what they're noticing in a way that they, their spouse can hear them, not accusatory, um, not in the heated moment, but at a time that it feels really safe that, Hey, there's something that's bothering me. I would like to discuss, you know, where are you at? What works for you? Sex has got to be something that works for both of you. And that it's, you know, that uh, there's some of our favorite authors have a quote that they say, do it often in a way that feels good to both of you. And so it's really looking at that, you know, there are situations and there are seasons and time when, um, your drives are different and maybe it's, you've no, you're noticing a consistent pattern. Um, I cannot tell you the number of couples that come to me and they're, they're even saying, you know, we schedule sex, but she's not into it. She seems resentful um, or he seems resentful when we, it's that night. And so we've talked through that, you know, what, what is, what needs are being met? Because sometimes it may even be that a couple's not connecting emotionally and they're connecting sexually instead. Is it replacing something in the marriage? You know, what is going on? It's digging in deeper and it's worth digging into it. And one of the things too that we encourage couples is to how not to handle this. And we know plenty of, of men and women actually who use First uh, Corinthians 7, 3, um, where the Apostle Paul is is talking about how that, that – um, that you're not to deprive one another of sex. And, and so sort of the message is if, if I want it, you can't deprive me of that. It says that in the Bible. So they're actually using the Bible as a weapon, a way to manipulate, to get what they want. And I want to be super clear here that, that when, when the apostle Paul uses that phrase, do not deprive one another, it deprive means to take away something wanted in in the in the marriage bed. Deprive is about removing sex altogether, or, or kind of withholding sex f- for a, a long time. So it's very different than refusing a request for sex. And so what Paul's saying is that man, your your marriage needs sex. But there are going to be moments, there, there are going to be times where one of you, for whatever reason, doesn't want to do that, and that's okay. Just don't deprive one another and your marriage for a long period of time. And it's amazing how many people use and misquote that verse as a way to say, well, hey, I want sex tonight, and you can't deprive me. God says so in the Bible, so you need to go along with what I want. I mean, that's that's basically a, an adult temper tantrum. <laughs> Right. That's true. 
and so we, we, we like to, to clear that up because we know that that exists in marriages to where that particular verse is, uh-huh. is being misused as a way to justify, I want what I want, so give me what I want. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So I'm wondering if you can clarify, um, because I'm wondering, I'm just thinking of our podcast family being like, wait, 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 wait. You just said sex and you just said physical intimacy is different than like intimacy in that way. I think physical intimacy is a part of intimacy, but it's not the whole picture. So can you speak a little bit more into that? Because I think that might be revolutionary for for some of our listeners in here. What's the difference? You know, there's a, it's important to recognize that when we get married, we long to be known and we long to be, we're, we long to be connected because that's how we were created. We were created to be connected to God and to each other. Well, then God brought this, gave us this gift of marriage. He created marriage, not man. And so I believe that there's this deep longing um, in each of us to be connected heart to heart in marriage. And especially, and again, this is stereotypical. I always say the 80-20 rule, 80% it's true, 20% it's different in your marriage. So it's evaluating what does this look like in our marriage? Um, Typically for a woman, um, she longs to be known, fully known, fully loved, fully accepted, and as well as the husband. But for a woman, it's, it's recognizing that as I'm connected to my husband emotionally, heart to heart, deeply known. That for for a woman, that leads to that sexual experience. So what I see sometimes in the counseling room is that a couple is fearful to connect emotionally because it hasn't felt safe. Therefore, we'll connect sexually because then at least we're connected. But it becomes almost like a Band-Aid. There's a deeper longing underneath there. And so it's, it's really stepping back. Um, and going, what, what is going on? Is this possibly what's going on within our relationship that, you know, sex isn't being fully lived out as God created it to be? Yeah. 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 I, I love that. And when, when I get the chance to talk to, to husbands, um, one of the, the things that I like to do, they'll, they'll say to me, so how do I get my wife to, to, to have more sex or to initiate more? <laughs> and, and I always tell them, I actually, I say, well, look at how God designed your body to work for sex because the answer is actually right there. God, God's perfect design physiologically. So before sex is even possible, the man has to initiate an erection. And the word erect means to create, to establish um, to, to build something. And so what, what I encourage a guy is that, that your job is to initiate that erection. You, you've got to be building something, not just in the bed. Mm. You've got to be building and initiating outside of the bedroom as well. And, and both need to be important. It can't be one over the other. And so what does that then look like? How do I woo? How do I pursue my wife? Um, how do I initiate that sort of pursuit outside the bedroom as well? And, and, and I can ask her, I mean, maybe it's a season to where she's overwhelmed with, with young kids. Um, maybe there are certain, you know, responsibilities that, that she feels alone in that, that I could either join or take on. I remember Aaron, she loves the, the bed made. And, and I, I'm one of those believers that I like my bed exactly how I left it. <laughs> I don't want a fresh bed. That's, that's Too more work. <laughs> 
it's like it's like taking off your shoes and tying them. Why? It doesn't make any sense to me, but it matters to Aaron. In in one time she hurt her leg and was in a cast and I came to our master bedroom and I and I'm watching from the doorway astonished to see my wife hopping on one leg all around Try to make it flopping myself across the bed. It was pretty pathetic. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? And, and I'm telling you, the epiphany in that moment for me is, is, is I was like, seriously, is this really that important mm-hmm. to you? And she said, it just is. I can't explain it, but it just is. And I got it. And I said, from this day forward, I'm going to make the bet. That's no longer your job. I will do that job. And, and so there, there's many ways that, that is, is a husband, as a spouse, that I can initiate you know, relationship and helping and doing things outside the bedroom. And it's not a formula. It doesn't mean, okay, I did this. I made the bed, so you better be in that yeah. bed tonight. <laughs> it, it can't work that way. But but again, all I can worry about is is how how can I be a better husband? And, and that's all I can do. And so I want to do those things, not to get from her sexually, but because she matters. And I want to fully build that intimacy in all parts of our relationship. Yeah. Versus, you know, Greg is talking about the physiology of a male versus the physiology of a female that Greg was, was built to initiate versus as the female body was built to receive. And you think about just by God's perfect design that he made this, this gift work. And so it's looking at all I can do. I can't control what Greg does. I can't control. I've tried. Um, <laughs> if he initiates or, you know, I can't, if he's stressed, I can't control. I can't control if he makes the bed or not. <laughs> but what I can control is me and working at really dealing with whatever's going on for me. If I have past pain around sex, sexual experiences, if I have trauma, if I have hormone imbalances, if I'm exhausted, if I'm not taking care of myself, whatever it is, I have control of that because more, the more likely I, the more I really check in with myself of what's going on for me, how am I doing? Um, are things out of balance? the more likely I am to be willing to receive. And so it's looking at the more I am attuned to what's going on for me, the more I'm thinking about it, I'm preparing myself to receive more likely that I will. And again, there is that, that, that flip side of, I may be the one desiring more sex. And, but again, physiologically, we has, we have been made very uniquely um, for this experience. Mm, Greg, Aaron, this has been so incredibly helpful and I know practical and, and we pray freeing and hope giving to our podcast family, but let's talk about tonight or let's talk about this week. Um, and I'd love to hear it from Greg, your perspective to the guys and Aaron, your perspective to the ladies. What is something practical that our podcast family can do tonight or this week to resurrect their sex life? I would say, honestly, um, go online, type in conversation starters for couples, and then type in the word sex so you don't pull up porn sites. But if you type all of that out, conversation starters or sex conversation starters for couples, what you're going to find is there's so many great questions 
it's so important to ask each other. Couples don't talk about sex. So this is, can be a really fun way. So, so go in and go grab some food, sit in your car, go, you know, grab a, your favorite beverage, coffee, whatever, go somewhere where you've got a great view and just talk and, and walk through these questions you know, what is, what does initiation look like? What's your favorite sex position? What does your perfect, you know, sex evening look like? How often would, would we have sex? It's all those kinds of questions that are so important to better understand. And it trains then the relationship that we're going to talk about sex, which only is going to help you inside the bed. Mm -hmm. And I would say to the, to the ladies, you know, really evaluating where am I at? Is this is this going well for me? Our relationship, and and really being courageous and taking that step towards your spouse and and letting them know, hey, I'd love to have conversation about this, and I'd love to have regular conversation about this. You know, how are you doing sexually? How are how are things from your perspective? How are things going? And this is what I would like. This is what I don't like. This is what I think might work. What do you think? And just being courageous to initiate that conversation. Because that's the beginning of healing. That's the beginning of really both people being satisfied. And then take a, a marker that you can write on a mirror. So put this in your master bedroom mirror. It's just for you guys. Just write out the phrase, do it often in a way that feels good to both. Mm. Mm. I love that. Greg and Aaron, this has been so incredibly helpful. And we are so grateful for your time for your ministry there, Greg and Aaron Smalley. Um, many, many books, many, many books, but um, uh, recently they published a book called Reconnected, Moving from Roommates to Soulmates in Your Marriage. Uh, Greg and Aaron, if our podcast family wants to connect with you, what's the best place to find you? Yeah, come to focusonthefamily.com. There's actually a link on the marriage section that says at home with the Smallies. You can post a question um, that we'll answer. Um, you can get that book reconnected. There's an entire chapter called The Sexless Marriage. So we'd love to, to help. We'd love to connect with you. Fantastic. Well, we'll be sure to put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being with us. as you've listened to this episode that you have just been encouraged that you have maybe a few more tools in your tool belt of knowing what is the next step to take and we said it already on the interview but we just want to be able to say that you are courageous that you that we are really proud of you for even considering having those tough conversations because we know that takes a huge amount of vulnerability. So thank you for investing into your marriage by even taking the step to listen to this whole episode. Yeah, and perhaps a next step is to share this episode with your spouse in between.org slash episode 107 or by hitting the share button on the podcasting app. And after doing so, we just want to encourage you to have a conversation about how you feel and what your reactions were from the episode and what uh, a, a step forward plan looks like for the both of you. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening into today's episode. Next week, Christina, what are we going to be talking about? We're going to be interviewing Laura Howe about the seven keys to resiliency for the exhausted parent. All right. We'll catch you next time. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast. 
which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.